1: Flooding puts BC communities on edge. And the currents very quickly and can be swept down, not to mention the hypothermia and the temperature of the water. With more rain in the forecast, residents worry the worst is yet to come. Restarting road tests. Since I know the old man's tired of driving me out there every day, so I'd like to be able to do that myself. ICBC hits a milestone in phase three recovery and a refreshing change in vancouver parks i'd like to see people be able to get a cold beer at the beach how tonight's vote could be worth raising a glass to you're watching global bc this is global news hour at six good evening and thanks for joining us sophie is off tonight we'll have details of a possible COVID exposure at a vancouver nightclub in a moment but first Hundreds of people in the B.C. interior are nervously watching local rivers, hoping Mother Nature gives them a break. Global's John Waz live in Cache Creek tonight, where waterways are already swollen beyond their limits. John.
2: Yes, Chris, it's a windy but beautiful day here in Cash Creek. And that's why officials are warning residents not to be lulled into a false sense of security because Environment Canada is predicting that rain might be on the way. And if you look down below me, you can see the Bonaparte River is raging and the ground below those mobile homes doesn't have much more to give. In less than a day, what was left of this backyard was swallowed by the Bonaparte River.
3: It's a ticking time bomb. No doubt about
2: it. As the ground crumbles beneath their homes, there's good reason for the community of Cache Creek to be on edge.
3: The people along here are going to lose their homes, possibly their lives. I've tried to contact the Premier of the province.
2: Twelve properties in low-lying areas have been placed on evacuation order. Another 160 told to be ready to leave at a moment's notice, with possible rain on the way.
3: So Environment Canada today told us uh, the 15 to 25 millimeters, and they said in the Bonaparte watershed. So that tells you everything that you need to know.
2: With the threat of flooding coming from both the Bonaparte River and Cache Creek, residents say this heart-wrenching exercise has become all too common over the past three to four
4: years.
3: Nervous, resigned, frustrated, all of that. Um, I think people's tempers are are starting to uh, get the better of them at this point.
2: At some point, this community says the province needs to step in.
3: We need riprap and we need it now. We need some sort of help and some sort of response from this government.
1: BC's
2: public safety minister says the government is monitoring the situation.
1: That means looking at things such as diking, for example, local
5: infrastructure uh, that we can that that we can work with local governments on uh, to uh, to minimize the impacts of flooding. The way these waters are eating at the very foundation
2: of Cash Creek. Many here worry there's no time to wait. Now, there's been so much flooding in the past three or four years. Officials say the way that the Bonaparte River literally flows is changing, making making flooding that much harder to predict, which is why finding a long-term solution is a big job
1: for a village this size. Chris? So tough for a lot of people up there. Okay, thanks very much, John. Meantime, some residents of Chilliwack are dealing with high water and preparing for the possibility of more to come. There is localized flooding outside of the city of Chilliwack's dike system, including at Cary Point. There's still a high stream flow advisory for the Fraser River through the Fraser Valley and Metro Vancouver. No major flooding is expected, but there can be minor flooding in low-lying areas. Residents say the worst of the flooding so far was a week ago, breaking through some berms that had been built. The water has since retreated a bit, but some residents are still building new barriers just in case.
6: In the last three days, the uh, water's come up. All our water comes from Prince George, um, Kamloops, down through the Thompson. So whatever's going on up there, we get it three days later.
1: So you're a little nervous? Eh.
6: Today I'm more nervous than yesterday.
1: (laughs) All right, well, let's get a reality check right now from meteorologist Christy Gordon. Uh, More on the flood risk and the rain falling not necessarily in our area, but in the watershed, Christy.
7: That's right. We do have it in the forecast, so we're not in the clear just yet. Now, the BC River Forecast Centre has said, in general, the rivers and streams have peaked in the last 24 hours, but they're still running really high, and it'll take a long time for those water levels to really recede, which means they're susceptible to localized rainfall. Here's a look at what we're expecting in the next 24 to 36 hours, quite a bit in through the Caribou, right touching down in just north of the Cache Creek area, so anywhere from 15 to 25 millimetres for those regions and then not only this is the synoptic rainfall but we could see some pockets because we have a risk of thunderstorms once again tomorrow afternoon so we'll be watching those areas really closely in the next 24 to 36 hours Chris.
1: All right thanks very much Christy we'll check in a little bit later. Now some breaking news on the COVID front health officials are warning about a possible COVID-19 exposure at a Vancouver boutique hotel just over a a week ago Anyone who was at the bar or nightclub areas of the Hotel Belmont on Nelson Street during the evening of Saturday, June 27th or Monday, June 29th should monitor themselves for symptoms for 14 days. People who tested positive for the virus were at the Belmont on those two nights. Vancouver Coastal Health says there is no known risk to anyone who visited the hotel outside of those dates. And as usual, on a Monday, we're reporting three days of COVID numbers. There are 31 new cases over that time period. Here's the breakdown. Nineteen or sorry, nine Friday to Saturday, 15 on Saturday to Sunday and seven Sunday through this morning. That brings our total infections to two thousand nine hundred seventy eight. Sadly, we've had six more deaths meaning 183 people have now died from COVID-19 complications. 16 people are in hospital, four of them in ICU, and 2,689 are now considered completely recovered. We'll bring in Keith Baldry now for more on this. Keith, Dr. Henry was asked today about recent protests and mm-hmm. whether there's been any connection to an uptick in cases there.
8: Yeah, she's been watching that very closely, and it turns out there's really no evidence uh, to connect uh, COVID-19 cases to those protests, neither here uh, in B.C., but also across the line. Washington State did a study and found that less than 5% of COVID cases were connected to any protest. And one big reason, according to Dr. Bonnie Henry, this was all outside. People were wearing masks. Different, though, if you're at a beach party, especially south of the border. Here's Dr. Henry.
3: Currently, we do not have any cases that have been associated with the protests that took place. Um, I think there's a number of reasons for that. And uh, in talking with my colleagues in, in the U.S., um, it, it, they also have not seen surges related to those activities. And it is likely a combination of them mostly being outside, being shorter periods next to people, perhaps. Um, many people, at least here in BC, keeping distances, um, wearing masks. Having said that, what where they have seen in the United States in particular, Outside transmission is large groups going to um, parties and events on the beaches, for example. And that was surprising. I think many of us thought that it would be a similar uh, risk. But I think it, it has to do similar to what we were just talking about is that the conditions for spreading of this virus are spending a lot of time in close contact face to face with somebody.
1: And Keith, of course, there's ongoing concern about travel across the border. Dr. Henry's Mm -hmm. been pretty steadfast all along about reopening the borders, and that didn't really change today either.
8: No, and she knows it is a federal responsibility, but they're listening to public, health, provincial health officers right across the country on this very sensitive issue. In fact, in my inbox, border situation has replaced long-term care home access as the number one concern for people. Just an example, the numbers for Washington State just dropped, 1,068 new cases reported today. That's probably over a 20, more than a 24-hour period, and 11 more people died in that state in the course of just a little more than one day. Here's Dr. Bonnie Henry again. If you've got plans to travel across the border, get rid of them.
3: It is a worry, it's very much a concern. We know there's quite a bit of travel across the border, but nothing like what we usually see. Um, I I cannot see uh, vacation travel uh, this summer from the U.S., given the, the rates that we're seeing and how widespread it is in the U.S. right now.
8: One final note, uh, Chris, Dr. Bonnie Henry will be on Facebook Live tomorrow with our colleague Richard Zussman. Uh, so get on our Facebook page,
1: pose your questions to Dr. Henry starting at 3 p.m. tomorrow. Well, she's really upping the social media game these days, isn't she? <laughs> exactly. All right. Yeah, thanks very much, Keith. Sport fishing operators located on the south coast are warning this year's federal regulations on the Chinook fishery could mean the end of their livelihoods. The Public Fishery Alliance held a socially distant rally in front of the DFO's Vancouver offices. They're very upset about a restrictive set of rules that don't allow for the retention of any Chinook caught in the waters off Vancouver and the southern part of House Sound until September 1st. The sport fishing industry says those rules will decimate their business and won't do anything realistically to save the Chinook. And we are closed uh, for... Fishing for Chinook salmon, basically
2: from Gibson's to Galileo Island, all the way to the Washington state border, and all the way south to Victoria. When we're seeing many healthy populations of Chinook out there, outside
1: of the stocks of concern. Global News reached out to the DFO for their response. They did not reply. ICBC is gearing up to resume non commercial road tests two weeks from now. During the four month pandemic hiatus, tens of thousands of tests were canceled. Richard Zissman has more on how the province plans to clear the backlog and why new drivers should practice before hitting the road.
9: Isaac Schneider was set to get his driver's license this spring. The test booked in April and then they got cancelled, part due to COVID-19
1: tough driving out to work in Ladner uh, four days a week without having a license. I know the old man's tired of driving me out there every day.
9: Schneider won a thousands of British Columbians waiting for their chance to showcase their driving skills. The province announcing Monday tests will resume July 20th with a backlog of more than 55,000 canceled tests.
10: We are going to need additional locations and additional examiners to get through the backlog.
9: Where it could become a problem is if a driver fails and needs to rebook. But if you fail that test, you you will have a significant weight. If you had a test cancelled in March, expect to call soon from ICBC. Those will be the first tests rebooked. As for the other cancelled exams, ICBC hasn't said yet how they will be prioritized.
4: It's only fair that if you booked a time in April, that in fact you do not have to get to the back of the queue.
9: An online petition is calling on the province to get driving instructors like Steve Wallace to administer the test and help ICBC manage
4: the workload. We can help do the tests if, in fact, he he wants to use us as a resource.
9: The BC Liberals say these tests should have been going weeks ago. Other provinces have been doing this way before British Columbia. Saskatchewan and Manitoba are the obvious ones. So in this case, it's ICBC and the government that's been holding back this economic recovery. The province says once tests are back on the road, ICBC will only be operating at about 85% of Free COVID capacity, meaning drivers like Schneider could be waiting a while.
1: Keeping my expectations, you know, somewhat low. I'm hoping to have it done in the uh, the next month, maybe. Maybe if it's good, in the next couple weeks.
9: And those without a license could be spending the next few months riding the bus. Oh, that was good. Or bumming a ride. Yeah. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: Richmond RCMP now confirmed the discovery of a body in their search for a man missing since he dove into the Fraser River. He has been identified as Corey Nagata of Richmond. The 24-year-old was swept away last night after going into the water to retrieve a football. He couldn't make it back to a nearby dock and disappeared from view. Bystanders tried to help. Coast Guard and RCMP vessels as well as Richmond Rescue Fire Rescue helped in the search, which lasted into the early hours of this morning and picked up again at daylight. The man's body, though, was pulled from the water just before noon. Police say the condition of the river likely played a role in this tragic incident. The undercurrent and the undertow and the fast-moving current, uh, it's literally like a washing
10: machine out there. So if somebody gets trapped out there, they get uh, wrapped up in, uh, in the undertow. Uh, and the currents very quickly and can be swept down, not to mention the hypothermia and the temperature of the water. So uh, for the, safe of the pu- safety of the public, we really encourage you to make sure you take all safety precautions around the Fraser River, lakes, all waterways at this time with a proper PDF and uh, equipment.
1: More than 100 search and rescue personnel are scouring the rugged wilderness near Gold River on Vancouver Island for a missing man. Lawrence Philipson was due home Thursday from a planned four-day, 40-kilometer hike through Strathcona Park. The 65-year-old is described as an experienced hiker and mountaineer, and he left a detailed itinerary with his family. When he didn't return home as scheduled, his family called police and a search was launched. We have not found evidence of a camp at uh, the Philburg camp area, so we're
5: concerned. That something happened to Lawrence uh, on day one uh, of this hike.
1: RCMP are reviewing the conduct of a Kamloops officer after he posted jokes about blackface on social media. Back in May, Constable Rupert Minkey posted a photo of the application of a skin treatment with the caption, Blackface Session. It's supposed to help my looks. I don't think it's working. The second photo shows Minkey with his face fully covered and the caption, Is my skin care racist? Microaggressions matter. RCMP say a review of the post is underway to determine further context and such reviews can lead to consequences under the force's code of conduct. A series of disturbing assaults in one of Vancouver's most popular parks has resulted in charges. Police say a man attacked several people in Queen Elizabeth Park on Sunday morning, assaulting them, threatening them and trying to rob them. He was arrested after a number of 911 calls and taken to hospital. He's now charged with robbery, assault, assault causing bodily harm, and uttering threats. But you're you're going to
7: deny me service if I don't wear a mask.
1: It's a shocking act of defiance against all kinds of expert advice. The woman who recorded her tirade against wearing a mask coming up. And the NFL player who hooked a giant later on the News Hour. Right now, though, a lot of attention is on the Vancouver Park Board tonight as it votes on the consumption of alcohol in some parks. Global's Julia Foy is live in Vancouver tracking the discussion and the voting. Julia, other cities have done it. Any chance this won't be approved?
11: Well, I think it's a bit early for us to lay any bets at this point because this is the topic that's been kicked around a lot in Vancouver. And in North Vancouver and in Port Coquitlam, you're actually allowed to legally take your own alcohol into a designated park and enjoy it with your friends. And that's exactly what the Vancouver Park board members are going to be discussing tonight. Though the idea is is that there would be 10 parks and there would be designated areas where people may be able to gather. So it wouldn't be widespread, but I think for a lot of people, feels like a little bit of Europe being able to to go there and think about enjoying beer or wine on the beach. Now let's take a look at where the ten beaches and parks are that are under consideration. A section of Stanley Park, Vanier Park, Locarno Beach, Quilchen- Quilchenna Park, Queen Elizabeth Park, Fraser River Park in South Van, Memorial South Park and John Henry Park also known as Trout Lake and New Brighton Park in East Vancouver. Now, while we hear a lot of people saying, yes, please, that could be a really nice way to celebrate our summer, especially under these COVID conditions, there are some very cautionary voices being shared about whether alcohol could be abused. Here's a representative of the VPD.
12: It's hard to guess on any hypotheticals of what may happen. Vancouver has historically been a polite, behaved city. Uh, We expect it to continue that way. Our, our councils and boards who have made these decisions have looked into it and they feel it is appropriate for our city. So for now, we will be going with those
10: guidelines.
11: Now, the Park Board virtual meeting gets underway at 6.30 tonight. We'll have the results and all the latest information for you later on tonight on NewsHour Final.
1: Back to e- you. Eagerly anticipating it. All right, thanks very much, <laughs> Julie. I appreciate it. Gastown businesses hard hit by the loss of international tourism are welcoming locals to enjoy Patio Town and the Murals of Gratitude, billed as Vancouver's largest patio district, more than 20 patios and close to 500 outdoor seats are now open to the public in Gastown. Patio Town will even offer complimentary bike valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. And you can check out some of the amazing art created on boarded-up storefronts. The Murals of Gratitude outdoor exhibit honors our healthcare heroes. We're actually
9: closing down Carroll Street. There'll be like a public uh, uh, area for folks to hang out as well. And it's literally the biggest patio space in all of uh, Vancouver. So when you want to enjoy the the summer of Vancouver, there'll be no better place than uh, Gastown.
1: Up ahead, the electric revolution coming to a street near you.
13: The more options you give folks, the more likely they are to get out of their cars. A Vancouver city
1: councillor and scooter enthusiast tries to get others to go along for the ride. And local herring get a hand avoiding catastrophe, how humans are helping the species survive.
0: At the Alex Fraser Bridge, we have a broken down truck southbound at the north end. It's at the very end of the Clavden on ramp coming from Anastas Island. You can see it's not causing any delays as you make your way across the bridge deck. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. In Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge, I'm Amber Belzer.
1: In an increasingly dense urban environment, many people believe e-scooters are the solution for crowded roadways. One city councillor doesn't want to wait for a trial to start next year. She wants to greenlight shared scooters as soon as possible. But as Aaron McArthur reports, safety is also a concern. Easy and affordable,
5: but not in Vancouver. Now a city councillor is pushing for a vote on the two-wheeled mobility devices arguing they offer an additional way for people to get around during the pandemic.
13: The more options you give folks, the more likely they are to get out of their cars.
5: The province has already approved pilot projects for e-scooters and Vancouver staff have cautiously rolled out private usage by 2021. Kirby Young says that isn't equitable and wants a shared use model ready by the fall.
13: If council were to approve now, Moving forward with a shared program, um, then we would implement a bylaw in the fall, and we could, we could be in place as soon as the fall or, depend, or even spring, depending on the time that staff feel they need to roll it out.
5: Scooters are being used worldwide. Calgary has rolled out hundreds during the pandemic with great success, but cities are struggling with some of the issues associated with their use. Montreal banned them after companies failed to live up to expectations. In Portland, accident rates estimated to be 10 times that of bike shares.
8: It's not easy. Um, Whenever people have to share space, there are challenges, there are conflicts, but uh, not a deal breaker by any means um, because, you know, overall, um, these are much safer than having people in private automobiles.
13: Oftentimes, Vancouver leads in a number of areas. In this case, we haven't. Uh, We've let a number of cities go first. And so I think we are in the fortunate position of being able to learn from those experiences in other cities and look at the best practices.
5: Rather than a public proposal like the Moby Bike Share, Kirby Young wants to see private operators brought in to run the scooter program. Aaron
1: MacArthur, Global News. Several dozen electric vehicle owners cruising past the B.C. legislature calling for more government support for EVs. The motorcade, a plea for right-to-charge regulations that would require landlords and stratas to provide EV charging access for any electric vehicle owner who is willing to pay. The group also calling on Victoria to speed up the zero emission mandate for all light duty vehicle sales to be electric by 2035, five years ahead of the current goal.
13: We really need to have some additional support from the province um, in order to reach that tipping point where there's enough EVs available for people here in the province and also enough access to home charging. And so today we're asking the provincial government to support three particular um, pieces of legislation that will really help us to reach that tipping point.
1: According to the latest numbers from November 2019, there are now more than 30,000 electric vehicles on the road in BC. The COVID crisis deepens in the United States. With a weekend of wild parties behind them, health officials worry about the fallout. And later in sports, COVID leaves a lot of players on the sidelines as leagues try to restart. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6 and 980 CKNW, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC, presented in partnership with
9: BCLC. With every play, you're making BC even better.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. It's a steady, sunny afternoon commute here, headed to and from the, uh, the Portman Bridge deck. After a couple of earlier eastbound issues, all the volume has eased off as you make your way out of Vancouver through Burnaby and into Coquitlam for the Portman Bridge deck. Steady both ways. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. Above the Portman Bridge and Global One, I'm Amber Bowser. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening
1: my life. The New York woman who made international headlines for calling police and falsely accusing a black man of threatening her now faces a criminal charge. Amy Cooper later apologized for the incident, but was fired from her job. Now the Manhattan district attorney says she'll be charged with filing a false report, a misdemeanor punishable by up to a year in jail. She could also receive a conditional discharge or be sentenced to community service. The United States started a new week with a record surge in COVID-19 cases. More than 100,000 reported between Friday and Monday. That's now prompted new shutdowns in Florida and more confusion over the president's comments. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest.
12: (laughs) Anxious to enjoy a long holiday weekend, the cost of a defiant attitude during a pandemic could be catastrophic.
2: Humans aren't supposed to be locked up for forever.
12: Younger people displaying a cavalier attitude, crowding open beaches from the Carolinas to California.
3: Probably in two to three weeks from now, we'll have a better idea of what exactly the impact of this current surge in cases has been on hospitalizations, you know, ICU beds and deaths.
12: In Florida, after two days of record increases, Miami's council will close bars, gyms, and restaurants for a second time. It was a mistake to open bars early, and we're paying for that mistake. The state saw more than 20,000 cases over the weekend, one of nearly three dozen now posting a daily increase.
5: Right now, the virus has the upper hand throughout much of America, most of America.
12: Yet the White House continues to ignore the realities.
0: I think the world is looking at us as a a leader in uh, COVID-19.
12: The Trump administration pointing to a low death rate, despite deaths being a lagging indicator.
8: Do one simple thing. Acknowledge to the American people that COVID exists.
12: It is a major problem. On Saturday, President Trump claimed 99% of cases are, quote, totally harmless. It remains unclear what the long-term impacts of COVID-19 are in patients who recover.
11: I don't think it was the president's intent to downplay that as much as saying, let's look at the risk and let's look at this in an appropriate way based on facts and figures.
12: But with nearly 3 million cases of COVID-19 in the United States, the facts are indisputable. Americans are getting sicker at a rate faster than in any other country, a trend that shows no sign of slowing down. Reggie Cicchini, Global News, Washington.
1: Country music and southern rock legend Charlie Daniels has died. And then he pulled his bow
12: across the strings and it made a evil. He has been a band of demons, joined, and it sounded something like this.
1: Fans across music genres will remember the Charlie Daniels band's signature tune, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. According to his publicist, Daniels died this morning in Tennessee after suffering a stroke. He was 83 years old. In Health Matters Tonight, a monthly survey by one of the country's largest HR companies has found the COVID-19 pandemic is definitely having an impact on our mental health. In their monthly mental health index, Morneau Chappelle is reporting a negative mental health score in Canada for the third consecutive month. Women report larger decreases in mental health than men, especially in younger age groups. The mental health index also tracks the risk of anxiety and depression, which are both up while work productivity and optimism are both down. Still ahead, healthcare heroes contend with a lot more than COVID.
7: They were making me wear a mask.
1: The backlash after this post went viral. Also tonight, how to save a million herring eggs so the species can thrive in our local waters. Global News Hour at 6. The herring population is one of BC's wildlife rehabilitation success stories, but still, hundreds of millions of herring eggs are lost every year when they're laid on poisonous creosote pilings. So now a group of volunteers is trying to give the spawn a better chance of survival. Linda Aylesworth shows us how it's done.
6: Once upon a time, Vancouver's Falls Creek was a pristine herring spawning habitat.
4: But now there's a marina in there instead and they dredged out all the spawning materials. and
6: Materials like eelgrass which they laid their eggs on. But with the eelgrass gone in many former sanctuaries along the coast, spawning herring have to improvise.
4: So then the herring will spawn on creosote pilings <laughs> as we've seen here at the dock, and it kills every single egg. It happened here
6: in March, just like it did at nearby Fisherman's Wharf years ago. But that problem was solved by wrapping the toxic pilings.
4: And the herring spawned and came back quite strong, but then the run got bigger and bigger. So now we're running out of area.
6: That is why so many of this year's spawning herring laid their eggs here where the pilings are still toxic but it won't happen again. What I'm doing is
1: prepping the pile to be wrapped to allow the eggs to be separated from the creosote. It acts as a, a, a barrier. They are
6: volunteer members of the Squamish Stream Keepers.
4: And this will just wrap right around. We'll nail it in. And then when the herring come and spawn next year, they'll be spawning on this instead of the creosote, and you'll get 100% hatchery compared to this
6: year, when 100% of the 4 or 5 million eggs per piling died.
4: Oh, That's so sad. When they go and spawn on those uh, creosoted piles.
6: They would love to see the use of creosote-drenched pilings banned, or at least the wrapping of the made mandatory. In the meantime...
13: We are doing something, hopefully, that will instigate and inspire the people making the decisions.
6: Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
1: Beautiful day to be out on the water for sure today. We'll check in with Christy and a look at our weather forecast. Uh, and a lot of people wondering, Christy, where and when will the rain fall again?
7: Yes, exactly. I mean, for here on the south coast, people are hoping the rain stays away. In areas in the interior, that's the same where we have still flood watches and warnings in place. And as I talked to you about earlier, we're still uh, concerned about sort of the localized flooding because of either thunderstorms or some brief downpours of rain. So here's a look at the severe thunderstorm watch that was in place today. We haven't had anything develop and become severe, but you can see that there's still a number of thunderstorms in the Caribou up into the central interior and certainly through the Okanagan valley and it's those uh downpours that can cause problems at least locally anyways we had a few isolated showers across the region i should actually say sprinkles really those moved on but we still do have the possibility of showers as we head into tomorrow morning so yes more cloud tomorrow a chance of showers especially developing through the morning hours into the early afternoon hours mainly cloudy throughout the day but that chance of rain for metro vancouver will drop off later in the day and stay low through our wednesday Yes, we are headed towards sunshine. So that's the pattern over the next little while, is a bit of back and forth. So tomorrow is a back day. Yes, cloud showers all across the region with a risk of thunderstorms. For the south coast, not as much moisture, but we certainly do have about a 40% chance of showers. Vancouver Island should stay dry, though. Uh, the fourth, though, is, yes, Wednesday, then back on Thursday and then go- heading forward again on Friday with some sunshine. So certainly back and forth. And I'll leave you, Chris, with the central windows, weather window. I, I love this shot where you see the sun making its way over the mountain, but also the glimmer from uh, reflecting off of the lake there, too. Thank you to Michael for that one.
1: Another beautiful shot. OK, thanks very much, Christy. A major shakeup is coming to BC's recycling rules that will make it easier to return your empties. Thanks to a six-month pilot project at select Return It locations, customers can now drop off all their alcohol and non-alcohol cans together without having to sort them for a full deposit. Other changes also being made to make the recycling process faster, safer and greener.
5: From an efficiency standpoint, we're going to move to a unified deposit this fall on October 1st, so any containers with a 20-cent deposit will move to 10 cents. And then we're also finding ways to uh, make the system more efficient through the use of automation. So a number of our pilots will um, start to implement uh, automated sorting as well as reverse vending machines.
1: British Columbians are being invited to share any feedback at returnit.ca. Oh, lots of empties to take after the picnics and the good... Good times, I'm sure, uh, over the weekend. Uh, let's check in with Squire, who joins us now, and uh, look ahead at what's coming up in sports. I just want to say first that uh, whoever gave you that tie, Chris, has
4: really good taste. <laughs> you know who it was, Squire? No, who was it? <laughs> wasn't it you? It might have been me. I think it was you. I appreciate the cheap compliment. Thank you. <laughs> the, uh, the NHL and the Players' Union uh, have come to an agreement over restarting the league. It still has to be voted on by owners and players, but if it's approved, training camp
1: starts July 13th. The games themselves, August 1st. Right on target. Also, the woman at the center of an ill-timed tirade about wearing a mask to protect others coming up. Shout out! Tag posts with hashtag BC Healthcare Heroes or email BC Heroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News BC
10: Healthcare Heroes in partnership with Fortis BC, caring for the BC communities where we live and work.
1: It's huge! <laughs> Holy <Hey guys>. cow!
3: <laughs>
1: Jacksonville Jaguars offensive tackle Jawan Taylor obviously blindsided by the size of that fish. What an epic tale he has to tell when the NFL returns this year. This is from a fishing trip off the coast of Jupiter, Florida, just last week. Taylor called the 400-pound Goliath grouper the fish of a lifetime. It weighs 90 pounds more than he does. He took a picture with the prized catch before Agent Drew Rosenhaus unhooked it and set it free. Nice job. Uh, That wasn't the only giant landed in the nfl we'll get a little bit more details from squire in just a moment
4: patrick mahomes reeled in a much bigger fish than that we'll talk <laughs> yeah, about that indeed. in a second uh the nhl and the players union have agreed to a deal that will restart this season and also extend the bargaining agreement for four more years and that is amazing because usually they don't extend this thing unless there's a fight the last time they hammered out a labor deal they had a lockout first and lost half a season this new agreement will go until 2026. Of course, everyone still has to vote on this deal, owners and players. But if they all vote yes, the agreement calls for training camps to start July 13th. Then all teams have to report to their hub city 13 days later. And then the 2014 Stanley Cup tournament would begin on August 1st. They haven't officially named the hub cities yet, but they will be Edmonton and Toronto when they do. Now the NHL announced that 396 players have been tested since they started this informal workout stage, or phase two if you like. 23 of those players have tested positive for COVID-19. They aren't saying who they are or what team they're from. They also say that 12 players who have not participated in the workouts have also tested positive. The league does have right now a 47-page set of rules regarding the upcoming bubbles in the hub cities and in those rules it does say that families can enter the bubble if a member of their family is in the final four or the Stanley Cup finals. Now this is from one of the Canucks workouts today. You can see Michael Furman looking healthy. Jake Virtanen was out there. Much better to see him there than a nightclub. Um, all the Canucks are back in town right now. And when they work out tomorrow in various groups at Rogers Arena, it'll be the first time that every Canuck player has been on the ice the same day since Phase 2 began. In the MLS, FC Dallas has announced it's out of the tournament before the tournament even begins. They pulled out after 10 players got sick with COVID-19. Now, there's no word on what this means for the tournament because Dallas was actually in Vancouver's group with Seattle and San Jose. So maybe they're going to switch things around and add a fourth team to that group. You might remember last week when FC Dallas arrived in Orlando, Florida, six players already attested positive for COVID-19. Then it went up to 10. They postponed their July 9th game against Vancouver. Today, of course, they said they can't play any games at all. Meanwhile, the Whitecaps are supposed to land in Orlando right about now. Their plane is supposed to be touching down at 6.46 hour time. They uh, left with all of their players healthy, no negative tests, or actually, I should say, all negative tests. They're ready to play, but right now, their first game isn't until July 15th against San Jose. However, if they do put another team in their group to replace Dallas, maybe they'll play earlier than July 15th. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to sign quarterback Patrick Mahomes to a 10 year contract extension. It is worth anywhere between $450 million and $503 million over the 10 years. This extension means Mahomes would be with Kansas City until the age of 36. Normally, a 10-year extension doesn't seem like such a good move for any team because things can happen during those 10 years that could cause it to be a problem. However, think about how many top-tier quarterbacks in the NFL right now are in their mid-30s or older. Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers... Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. All of those guys I just mentioned are 35 or older. Mahomes is only 24. He was a Super Bowl MVP this year, led Kansas City to that comeback win over San Francisco, also an NFL MVP during his time. Consider Mahomes basically what Russell Wilson is to the Seattle Seahawks. That important. And Major League Baseball released, released its 60-game schedule for the restart of its season, or the start of its season, I guess. July 23rd is when the first games will be played. Yankees against Washington, San Fran against L.A., Toronto's first game July 24th in Tampa Bay. The season is supposed to end September 27th, then playoffs.
1: There you go. All right, thanks very much, Squire. We'll check in now with Jay Durant in a preview of Global News at 11. Jay? Thanks very much, Chris. The man who drowned on the Fraser River in Richmond last night has been identified as a former UBC football player, Corey Nagata. We'll have more on that.
10: Plus, we we're following the vote tonight at the Vancouver Park Board on whether to allow drinking at certain parks and beaches, where and when you could potentially crack a cold one. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11, Chris.
1: All right, thanks very much, JD. And up next, a salute to our healthcare heroes and a woman who went viral trying to make a point about wearing a mask. BC is making great strides in the COVID 19 pandemic, but it's important to note it's far from over. So we still want to take a moment to recognize one of our BC healthcare heroes working tirelessly on the front lines. And tonight's nomination comes from Louis Paquette. He's nominating his wife, Amelia. Amelia works as a nurse's aide at Royal Arch Masonic Home, a long-term nursing home located in Champlain Heights in South Vancouver. Now, Louis says, bias aside, Amelia is extremely talented in comforting the residents, but the real reason for nominating her can be expressed in a single word, over time. Not long after the virus struck at the facility, a number of employees quit, leaving remaining staff to pick up the slack. She works overtime most days with many 12-hour days. And despite rarely getting two days off in a row since the pandemic started, she never complains. Amelia, Louie and your daughter Emily say you are their healthcare hero. And we thank you for working so hard for BC. You're now our hero too. And if you have a healthcare hero you'd like to see featured, email us at bchealthcareheroes at Just send a few pictures and some details about why they're your hero, and we could feature them next. Now, a Toronto woman is dealing with some major backlash on social media, which comes after she posted a video of her being asked to leave a hospital for refusing to wear a mask. As Global's Albert Tella reports, it's got the women more than 5 million views, but it wasn't the attention she was hoping for.
7: You're making me wear oh. a mask, if, otherwise yeah. you're, you're going to deny me service if I don't wear a mask.
1: Service denied for not wearing
10: a mask. This video posted to Twitter on Saturday by Toronto resident Leticia Montana, who says she was turned away after seeking treatment for a broken finger. Montana tweeted Saturday, I was asked to wear a mask, which I refused to do. Continuing, they called three security guards to escort me out.
3: They're telling me that if I don't wear a mask, they're not going to uh, assist me. They want me to leave.
10: The Post generating immediate criticism online. One user writing, how incredibly selfish. Celebrities Ben Stiller and Chrissy Teigen among those weighing in. City of Toronto spokesperson Brad Ross adding his two cents with, you're doing social media all wrong, Letitia. Don't make your name a verb.
13: Whose policies? is that? The Media
9: tell.
7: Ministry
10: of Health Policy. In response, Health Minister Christine Elliott thanked the frontline heroes in a statement, adding each of us should follow all protocols in place at hospitals to help protect frontline workers and other patients. Global News reached out to Montana, whose Twitter profile describes her as a truther and freedom lover about her experience, but didn't hear back by airtime. When contacted, Unity Health didn't directly address the incident that said masks must be worn in hospitals to keep patient, staff and visitors safe. Unity Health says for anyone going to St. Joseph's Hospital or any other hospital, you'll also be asked about any COVID 19 related symptoms and reminded to practice physical distancing. The message here if you're going to the hospital, wear a mask, not just for your own health, but for others too. Albert Delatala, Global News.
1: Common courtesy, right, folks, especially in the times we live in. Hard to imagine going into a hospital and acting that way i don't get that no i don't
4: get any of that
1: it's baffling yeah it's baffling but five million views and that you know you know that had something to do with it all right uh let's not leave on that note let's talk about the sunshine that christy's enjoying in the yard right now
7: thanks chris yes a glorious evening that's for sure but we're back to cloud and showers tomorrow not widespread rain but we certainly could see a few sprinkles throughout the day Don't worry, it's one day and we're back to sunshine on Wednesday, it looks like. Oh, it
1: keeps that grass nice and green, doesn't it? Good to know. All right, thanks very much, Christy, and thank you, Squire. Thanks, everyone, for watching. No, the beard didn't make it tonight, but thanks to those of you who voted.